Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on February 28th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash Chat as we continue our discussion over the lore book Revelation. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 and this is a wayfaring witness, a reluctant heir, a broken promise made true, a husk to fill a throne of sustenance, a share to prune the vine, a warden to vacancy, a mind elated and crestfallen, a sojourner of meaning and ever-seeking, green-eyed music lover. And last but definitely not least, in the hot seat to guest co-host, we have our good friend Chatting Myth, or as we like have we call him, Josh. Josh, how are you doing? I don't have any titles to give you, so I was really trying not to write in it, <laughs> but um, I'm doing fine. Cringe is going to recite all the lore from now on. <laughs> It's okay. Like, okay, that is literally from. I am not trying to seduce anyone, Black Flag. You take that back. Um, that is from today's lore drop. Thank you very much. That is all accolades to Osiris. I don't know why he has that many accolades. He's a warden of vacancy. He's. He's a madman. Yeah, By the I mean, way, the warden of vacancy thing definitely made me think of Toland. Toland? I was thinking uh, Varix. That's a good point. Yeah. I was kind of seeing that as connections to, like, everything that has happened. Like, you know, the husk to fill a throne of sustenance is the Taken King. Sheer to prune the vine is the Vex Offensive. Warden to Vacancy is the whole Varix. Like, the different stuff. (laughs) He's a chicken until he decides to wear something else. Oh my god, that Twitter thread of you, Green. Of Zavathun? Me no, and Zavathun? No, of, or what? We're gonna make Blue a cape of chicken uh, feathers. I'm like, what did I just right. walk into on Twitter? Blue, I'm just, Blue just, is gonna... It started with Elaine. Or didn't it start with Elaine? I think that Son- was who... It, someone said it, and I was just like, I'm like, or Orchard, or, or Orchid. Orchid did it. I Orchid. Her, or, Orchid did Orchard. it. Um... I was like, I opened Twitter and I was like, nope, just closed it again. It's like, I don't yeah. even know what's going on. Orchid and I are basically going to try to make Blue a Osiris um, <laughs> cosplay. where We're basically going to take a bunch of pigeon feathers that we find. That's going to be Saint-14, like, tie-in to it. Pin it to, like, this really raggedy jacket slash robe and just make him wear it at Guardian Con and call it his cosplay. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. 
Oh my gosh. I mean, that was that was the one of the highlights of my Twitter experience today. <laughs> I was just like, what is what? Oh I I'm so confused. Pictures, please. <laughs> Absolutely. If I can make this happen, I will make sure he wears it at least for 30 seconds so I can get some photos. Ah, Osiris hunts down all of Saints Pigeons for his feather costume. That's there what I was saying. Although there the feathers aren't quite the same. Oh my gosh. Well <laughs> We know how the emus finally went extinct in Australia and blue stole all those feathers. I stole all their feathers. You're welcome, Australia. You're welcome. Uh enough with our chatter. I know everyone's looking forward to diving into this particular discussion, so let's get right to it. Um and Green, before I forget, I'm gonna reference what I said for you to help me remember between between the recordings. Um I found in the collector's edition the piece that made me think of the PQZ as a uh, file type, not a not a location. Um, there was a call out in the first entry uh, where Kwong, excuse me, Kwong says you know that she doesn't understand the extraspatial activity we detected or the Clovis Bray scientists who speak of transmissions that propagate through the Calabi Yao six space. Um, and then the Calabi Yao six space is connected to the string theory in that it's a conjectured into a six dimensional manifold and leads to the idea of what's referred to as mirror symmetry. Um, and a mirror symmetry is a relationship of a particular example of what physicists call duality. And in it's general, essentially something happens in one place, the same thing happens the other place. Right. There's no there's no time lapse to get there. It's not like a telephone call. It's immediate interaction. Correct. Or not and in- so interaction. Two theories of flexion. mathematically different descriptions of the same phenomena um, in a non-trivial fashion. Uh, so that's why I was I had when I was reading the revelation entry, I had already like we had read the collector's edition so then i was reading the revelation entry when i saw the 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 whole thing of like oh hey you know ambit on the pqz i was like okay this is the connection to the signal that they got that was extra spatial that's where my brain was connecting it to the the three-dimensional um fractal image is because i'm like oh they're trying to track what's going on with this this signal that's you know extra or what is it extra spatial and it's phasing through or what is it it doesn't bounce through phases or something like that it's like they're they're tracking this whole thing and trying to figure out where it's going basically mm-hmm. so that was that was off the top of my head that was before I forgot that um, another term that I want to make sure I get out there before I forget. Uh, is sati sati was a comment that we made with connection to um commander kuang um and commander kuang so again collector's edition journal man this thing is chock full of really cool trivia um but sati is explained as that which allows awareness of the full range and extent of the dhammas sati is an awareness of things in relation to things and hence an awareness of their relative value Sati is what causes the practitioner of yoga to remember that any feeling they may experience exists in relation to a whole variety or world of feelings that may be skillful or unskillful, with faults or faultless, relatively inferior or refined, dark or pure. Um, narrowed or to kind of boil that down, it's basically how to act correctly in the great human context, not in the narrow particular particularities of a situation. 
Um, and Satya analysis was something that Commander Kuang was well-versed in because she was, um, as we kind of said in the first episode, she was a student of the House of Wisdom. Um, and she says, like, you know, the House of Wisdom uh, excels at mathematics and logic. Islam gave us algebra and even our digits are Arabic. That's why the Shura certified commanders are the finest pilots in the solar system. Um and that's and but zero belongs to the Buddhists. This is why you must expect nothing, Quan Zhuan, and so be prepared for anything. And that's going back to the opening line in the journal is expect nothing and you will be prepared for anything. So we had the um Zen Shura training of Ishmael in the last episode or the last topic. This episode or in this topic, we're gonna to be talking through the eyes of a graduate of what's referred to as Sukabo. Uh, which is, I had that, hang on. I had it written down. It's, it's basically the college quote, if you want to refer to it, that she graduated from. Um, and so she is a student of Sati analysis, uh, and throughout the journal, um, she has, she has continuous comments about meditation to Tara, who is the figure in uh i think it was is it buddhism i want to say we just we just had a chat in in our live chat here about it um yes, yeah it's so that's buddhist what, buddhist that's what uh, said. uh tara is the figure that is ascribed to being the mother of buddha uh let me see is so tara is commonly thought to be a buddha of compassion and action a protector who comes to the aid of her followers to re- relieve them of physical emotional and spiritual suffering uh the journal in in particular refers to what's what's the the green tara who is associated with enlightened activity and abundance um so there's there's a i mean there's this this journal seth knocked it out of the park in my mind um and it it goes along with if you read this in tandem with revelation they they're actually it actually follows and you can see similar to the way that you see the deterioration of the psyche the psyche of the characters within the lore book you can see the deterioration of commander kuang inside her own journal as you go through the journal and as you read um different things uh this is also where we actually get the call out that korosek which is the reference to david and krakenmar uh korosek is actually not a name it's actually a thing so it's a uh, it's an interesting there's there i mean there's there's just so many little interesting trivia connections that i could spend hours and hours on going through um but yes, uh, so I don't know which one of the many, many question theories we want to uh, go into. Um, I know I had I had listed, I have listed on the mind map um, some stuff there. Uh, I know, oh, so before we get too far, I did have a quote from Seth about the Collector's Editions Journal and its connections to uh, the k1 team uh and then there was also the comment that i had stated earlier last week about his view on the golden age um do you mind if i say that real quick and then i'll let then i'll step out of the way and let green go i mean 
let Green and Josh go, namely yeah, sure. Josh. Let me mm-hmm. Josh. All right. So Seth, um, <clears throat> Seth put a thread out on Twitter a while back uh, about the Collector's Edition journal. And he said, the viewpoint character of the Shadowkeep Collector's Edition journal is a Chinese woman trained by Muslims and Tibetan Buddhists. I was interested in the idea that religion would not vanish in the future, but instead become part of honing and growing the minds for all kinds of work. Obviously, this is the golden age, so we want to see that things are better, that humanity has grown more human, that the fundamental assumptions people carry are more hopeful, less cynical. Sukabo and the House of Wisdom are two parts of that. The idea of the North America, the North America double eagle empire as a voluntary retro-naturalist state where everybody gets together to build rockets, wave flags, and have gigantic air shows is another heavy inspiration from Ada Palmer. Imagine the NAE as the actualized version of the feeling you get when watching the launch sequence of Apollo 13 or possibly Top Gun, minus the actual need to go and kill people, aside from Goose, I mean. <laughs> the utopianism, obviously. <laughs> I, 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 I love Seth. Seth just he can't get can't hold No it chill when it comes to the comedy <laughs> characters. Just saying. No chill. So serious. <laughs> utopianism obviously does not stop with north america and i hope from the first tweet of this thread it's very clear how the implied rivalry between the shura and sati command techniques had to be toned down a little for fear of sounding like actual religious strife which i guess is a reflection of how the problems of today constrain our ability to depict utopia and then he went on to say he further went on to say that i think it would be very easy to default to a cynical the golden age of a time of prosperity and growth but with an ugly underbelly and no genuine social change approach and i'd like to set down some stakes against that so he's actually his entire point is he's actually pushing back against this whole oh well it was just that golden you know it was just that um fool's gold veneer and underneath it was actually this corrupt you know monster and he's like no no actually the golden age (laughs) was a golden age like it was actually good that like and you saw that with Kraken Mare with the reference of like violence has not existed on Kraken Mare, even though they are in like complete conflict with all the stuff with the different governments, with Clovis Bray, with the Ishtar um, Academy, you know, all this stuff. Violence has not been a part of their life for 50 years at that time. I mean, that's that's a huge thing. And so that's what I kind of wanted to there. But um, I will let Josh and Green take it away. All right, Josh, I want to go into base, not necessarily basic things of what's going on in the book, but kind of if you have any breakdowns, literary breakdowns, um, concepts that you want to bring up. I know that Blue, Blue will definitely have um, ideas to share as well, especially when we get into the psychology aspects of it. But is there anything literary that really stands out to you that you want to call out before we start diving in like card by card? Uh, so, I mean, first things first, and this could be because, uh, it's been in my head recently, having recently read it, mm-hmm. uh, the artifact and how the artifact interacts with other people seems so, so, so much like the king in yellow, like the yellow sign and how okay. people in, uh, in chamber short stories, when they either read the play, the king in yellow, or they, uh, they're given the yellow sign, which is supposed to be this cryptic, cultic uh, symbol of the king in yellow. They are falling into madness, or they're having these hallucinations, or they're having these 
scientific epiphanies that just lead to, you know, tragedy. And that's that's the artifact. That at, at least that's how I read the artifact. Uh, on the other side of, I guess, horror and suspense, the whole book is just like a Twilight Zone episode to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, especially when I get to like, uh, uh, oh man, I have to look back at it again. But the the one lore card that's just firewall sort of giving us this breakdown, uh, a grim assessment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like. Like between that one and uh, and downfall, you know, I'm ha- I'm like I could imagine what the opening and ending of this episode would be if it was done by Rod Sterling. Like it, it's great, <laughs> right? And it's horrific at the same time. <laughs> I just uh, so I had never actually heard of the King in Yellow. That's an that looks very interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yes, that's the word. I mean, oh, I want that cover too. <laughs> that's the. I think that's the 1895. Yeah, 1895 yeah, edition. That's that's the first edition one. Yeah, that's uh, cool. So, if you wanted like a breakdown of that, I mean, it it is a short story of uh, of encounters with this play that's also called the King in Yellow. Um, and so people who read the play they go under some sort of psychotic meltdown. Um, and there's a bit of like what the future would be like. Um, I don't exactly remember when this was written. I think it was written. Ooh, I think it was written in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, first, I remember it first published in 1895. I'm trying to just skim real quick. Yeah. So when Chambers is writing this, he's also writing sort of a predictive future. Um, and so he's writing with the setting being in like 1920s, 1930s. Um, there's, I think there's like 10 short stories in total, maybe. Um, the version I have only a seven. Uh, but the first four are the bulk of sort of uh, that's, uh, uh, that suspense and that horror. Um, two of them take place in Paris. Two of them take place in New York. Um, but they all sort of follow the same line. Okay, so they basically kind of they discover the the as well their version of the aspect or the their artifact, and then the it does You said there's a lot of psychological, not necessarily strain, but changes that ha- come over them, and they make these quote unquote scientific discoveries because of it, or is it just because of the amount of stress that they're put under that they develop those things well the interesting thing about it is the the play the play the king in yellow is quoted throughout the four short stories but it's quoted in fragments Mm -hmm. so all that's known of it is that there is at least an act one and an act two and by the time somebody has gotten to act two they have fully succumbed to the seduction of the king in yellow of the play and so there's one short story about a man who uh, he finds a way to turn living beings into marble. And he's like sort of totally consumed by this, uh, by this experiment. And the idea is that he, uh, he learned a chemical mixture from reading the King in yellow and it sort of influenced his, uh, uh, his experiments. Whereas you have the very first story, which is all about paranoia 
you have two people who read the king in yellow and they believe themselves to be like the next emperor of the united states and such like that and they wow. the whole book you know yeah it's really i i've been doing sort of a i guess a cosmic horror read for the first time so i've been going through a lot of uh hp lovecraft which Again, this is also kind of HP Lovecraft. <laughs> this is um, very HP Lovecraft. When I when I was getting to, uh, I don't remember what card it is, but the card where uh, the group realizes that there's nobody in the surface. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Like, oh, this is yeah. I was like, there's this is kind of a mountains of madness to me. You there's know, a was... little bit of like Edgar Allan Poe aspects to this too. Just yeah, like, all of like this macabre. Oh my gosh! Sort yeah, of it's dark. Literature. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. So, all right. So, like, if we dive into the cards themselves, going into, I mean, we talked a little bit about the first card just being an introduction to the crew and everything kind of going on. I don't know if there was any call out specifically within the first card that would be a really big like surprise to anybody. Um, you you mentioned in the introduction episode that how this is kind of the um the shtick couple like the two that are kind of silly back and forth a little bit but uh i don't think there's anything really to call out on this one is there anything you guys want to call out specifically for the first one no mhm yeah. um i mean the only thing that we see with this is like the introduction of the timestamps at the start which will be prevalent throughout the rest. Um, so what you have is four numbers, a letter, three numbers, a dollar sign, L-U-N dash number dot number, number, number. Um, that format is consistent through. It's a it's a header on the different records. <clears throat> I haven't figured, I haven't, I still haven't cracked the first portion of it. Uh, it does seem that the last three digits are connected to the letter because every time those digits hit 999, the letter goes up and then that number resets. But I don't know what the first four digits are connected to. First, I thought it was hours and minutes, but that doesn't make any sense because it, it just doesn't work that way. Um, but Blue the, has been kind of working on this for This over has been three like, weeks. oh my God, my brain nearly broke on this thing. <laughs> so the dollar LUN is obviously as an indicator of Luna. Uh, Luna. There is there is an actual Luna Standard Time project that is out there, and it's actually really fascinating. I'll I'll probably link that in the show notes. I don't think it's relevant to this because they have um I, it, it, that was a rabbit hole that I went down and it was very painful. Uh, very interesting, but very painful because there was a lot of math. Um, but the number dot number, 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 uh, that is the year and days. So you'll see that number never goes above 365. Um, and actually it, the number right now, so like in moon mining, this is the 24th day, basically. Uh, okay. You'll see that there there is one entry that doesn't follow the pattern of going upwards um and i'm not sure why i haven't quite cracked that one um but like the headers are just it's just really interesting on this part like the the record uh is right there this is the identities this is where we get the names of all the people so in the intro session we had mentioned there were some people that were named but didn't actually really seem to speak 
Uh, this is where that information comes from. Uh, you have the location, uh, which is really helpful because you get to see yes. the different lost sectors and stuff like that. It was, that was really cool. Um, threat detect is always high. <laughs> it doesn't drop. That, that, was, <laughs> that was the one that I kind of wanted your input on because at least for moon mining, you know, Green, you're right. There's nothing sort of obvious Mm-hmm. Um, but there's threat detect, which is either at a level seven or a level ten. That's because they're and... they're not following protocol, and firewall doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. That's I think but that was that's how I took it. Was he was like no, <laughs> unorthodized cognizance. So that well, I mean that doesn't necessarily. Well, that's the whole thing of like the whole oh Clovis Bray has left the building. Let's get to work. Wait, you can't just, you mm-hmm. know, that that's the whole, don't you see how right. momentous this is? That's the unauthorized cognizance. They're they're thinking about stuff that they shouldn't be thinking about. Right. Which is creepy um, in and of itself because of reasons. The fact that, well, that just brings up the whole concept of, fi- or not fail safe, might as well be fail safe. Um, firewall. firewall. Firewall is assigning, um, is analyzing every aspect of what's going on in this site. And this yes. site specifically is site three it's site site three is revelation it is the site where firewall is kind of housed on the moon by the red keep so this Mm -hmm. site this card takes place where all the uh terrible stuff ends up happening later in the book basically ground zero is i mean that's that's what they refer to uh oh gosh i just i just moved away from the tab that had that that reference um the uh, waypoint zero is uh, K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the revelation. Yep. So I think the most important part of the first card is all of those callouts there at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of gives fact, us like the format. The, the snark. Like I do like the snark. Okay, Apollo. Whatever you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you no nicknames. It's okay, <laughs> Rocket Man. Um, <laughs> So, moving on to the discovery, you get Tannis Lee, you get, they're at the dig site 2, which is the communion slash command center on this one. They're not at site 3, they're not at um, Revelation, but the commander's over there, away from the thing, the artifact. They found it. So... Any major things called out here, I know we've got a bit to talk about, and a few spin foil theories that I have heard that I would like to clarify. Ready? Let's go, Josh. Do you think that the Black Sphere that is found is similar to the artifact that we recover for Eris? Hey, Josh, are you on mute? Wow. <laughs> I'm wow. used to that question. That's that's like every conference wow. call. <laughs> hey, are you on mute? Right. Oh yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> As I went on my whole TED talk before. Um yeah, uh I definitely think that the sphere is uh is similar to what we presented Sarah's. Um and somebody in chat earlier I know had spoken about a what if the casing for the anomaly that we see in, in the crucible map, what if that were to open up and there's nothing inside? 
that's not a thought that I really want to have right now. That kind of hurts me a little bit. Um, but yeah, totally. Uh, especially with the pattern that we hear later on. Right. And that's one of the things that I remember when you pick up the artifact for the first time in Shadowkeep, it has a very specific frequencies, set of frequencies that go through. It's not music, but there's ambient noise that comes through. Now, here's the problem, though, I have with it. The object found in Site 3, that dig site, I mean, we don't necessarily go nearly as far as I'm sure they did, but it could theoretically be the same thing, but they don't necessarily describe the cathedral-like area we go into when we we recover the artifact whenever we get to the end of Shadowkeep. They don't have that same, I guess, gravitas of where, where they find it from. There's no description of a pyramid ship or anything like that. So that's my counterpoint that it... I don't necessarily think it's the exact same thing, but possibly similar. But if that's the case, why are there more than one? Blue? It looks like you've got something for that. Yeah. Um, so they reference. So first off, this is 167 days on site. Uh, so within, we actually get a, a good explanation of the artifact within the collector's edition. Uh, they, she uh, says that it can't be described without diminishing it. It's a black sphere. Nothing could be simpler. And yet it is awesome, unspeakably complex, compactly infinite, full of as many things as it could possibly contain. We cannot spend long near it. It's electromagnetic flux or the EMF is too subtle to burn through the field weave in our suits or cause any real harm, but we can't assume it will stay that way. If the field spikes, it could force our nerves to fire, even drive us into seizure. High Tesla magnetic fields do strange things to the mind. Um, so the, this is also where Tannis makes the comment about, um, what it could do. Uh, let's see, do, 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 do. or no, I think noetic effects is connected to that. So, um, 1200 meters deep into site three. Yeah. So it, it shut off all the technology around it, but it didn't affect, you know, anything on their suits. And so we get kind of ties into my my ideas really are more in connection to noetic effects uh but yeah it's 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 very interesting they used em em triangulation to find it uh to find a lava tube and then when they um, no an em triangulation so Mm. i guess an, an emp maybe a pulse i'm not sure but they were basically sonic they used sonic forces or electromagnetic uh um echolocation basically to kind of find mm-hmm. they found a lava tube and they were like oh that's you know i don't think they were looking for the artifact obviously but they found this lava tube and their entire thing was that we're going to explore the under the 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 moon and when they broke into the tunnel then you see in the discovery it's like hey the boar broke into tunnel and that just chewed into um a pillar and then just shot and just stopped and so that's where we see the connection within the journal um, okay. but yeah, the noetic effects is where I kind of go full, full bore into psychology mode. Some sort of EMP. I, th- I do think the mention of the electromagnetic pulsing is important here. Um, the fact that it's sending out pulse waves that are on that spectrum 
will come into effect as we go a little bit further, especially in noetic effects, because I do think that I have a spin foil theory on it as far as the medical side of things on how that actually works and how they spun it essentially to make it make sense. Um, Do we want to move into noetic effects, letting moving that story forward a little bit? Yes. Very well, blue. All right. So, um, so first off, like, this this kind of ties in chats talking about the canary system that Clovis Bray implemented, uh, which was interesting because the Clovis the canary system um, did not respond as having threats uh, posed, but the human brains that were there did. They added what's referred to as a neurochemical cascade. Um, so let me get here. I think it's Dr. Bo calls out that, you know, I can't explain the mechanism, but tests show neurochemical cascades increasing in frequency and severity over time. Individuals differ in their expression, but there's a clear trend when examined in the aggregate. Approximately 80% of the K1 crew is suffering similarly intrusive thoughts, insomnia, narcolepsy, nightmare, and in the worst cases, as we saw with Helsha. Helsha Rell. Okay, so I was incorrect. That's Helsha Rell, not Helsha Pell. Uh, hallucinations, auditory, and visual. It's a threat to the project. Um, and the 20% uh, is the response. So Commander Kwong challenges him and is like, well, what about the 20%? And the response that she gives, she Dr. Bo gives is, uh, those are individuals who have yet to be exposed. And yes, before you ask, I did witness the effect in action. I took the levels on an unexposed technician, Keeling Vance, and reexamined them just after an hour with it. Despite no outward changes of behavior, there was a marked drop in her serotonin and a commensurate rise in cortisol. After a week of work at Site 3, she was requesting sedatives as a sleep aid. Now she wants something stronger, something to knock her out. And so this is where we also get the recommendation by Dr. Poe to restrict direct exposure to uh, 30 minutes per day and to rotate teams between sites with a, with each week to limit proximity um, and also to begin planning for attrition. Um <clears throat> And then that's eventually what will lead to Dr. Bo getting replaced because then he also makes a comment about he is turning in reports with those recommendations. So, yeah. So basically he gets kicked from the team because of that. Um, however, so when we talk about neurochemical cascades, that's an interesting mm-hmm. thing. Uh, neurochemical cascades, uh, and it's also connected to the concept of biochemical cascades. Uh, so a biochemical cascade or neurochemical cascade is also known as a signaling cascade or signaling pathway and is a series of chemical reactions, which are initiated by a stimulus, which is referred to as the first messenger acting on a receptor that is transduced to the cell interior through second messengers, which amplify the initial signal, and ultimately the two effector molecules resulting in a cell response to the initial stimulus. So each step of the signaling cascade, various controlling factors are involved to regulate cellular action, responding effectively to cues about their changing internal and external environments. Um, So what, what that's basically saying is that there is a event that occurs a stressor or a stimulus and then in response to that stimulus uh, within regards to neurochemicals you have something that will fire and then that thing fires something else and it's basically a domino effect within your mind on a neurochemical scale um, <clears throat> so you'll you'll see this like uh, seasonal affective disorder is a really easy 
show of this. Like if you go a long time without sun and then you walk into a really sunny place, you have that immense that that usually most people have like immediate feeling of like pleasantness. Um, that's because your your body is responding to the stimulus of having sunlight. It, it's a known effect on human uh, physiology. We actually also got some examples of specific symptoms. Uh, so the first one was intrusive thoughts. Uh, this is actually something that you see a lot with uh, mental illnesses such as PTSD, schizophrenia, depression, and anxiety. Um, and basically, the, the easiest way to explain the idea of intrusive thoughts is that it is the breakdown of an ability to control one's own thoughts, um, which is really scary Uh to, to people because you know your your mind your thoughts are something that you can't most people can't fathom not being able to control like that that's that's very scary um well, recent no go for it I, I don't necessarily i don't i think it's more common um, maybe not to the extent of what the the book or the card is saying but it's more common than people in so much as when they're stressed or have a lot of high stressors in their lives like money or where am I going to get food or am I going to have a house next month? Their, their minds are going to constantly run so that they don't have control over their thoughts. Their thoughts are going to constantly go to these stressors instead. Uh, yes and no. Um, so your mind will automatically like there, there is a level to degree which your mind wanders. And that's actually kind of tying into what a lot of people view as uh, what's referred to as primary insomnia. Uh, or hyper uh, mental hyper arousal, uh, mental hyper arousal, uh, which I'll talk about just in a sec, because that actually connects to the neurotransmitter that deals with intrusive thoughts. This is um, this is stuff like you. Uh, so for like PTSD, um, what would happen a lot of times is like uh, you see this a lot with uh, uh, soldiers who have PTSD. If there's a loud noise, they immediately snap into combat mode without even control like this is this is something that is like you're talking about mind wandering this is something that is beyond that this is your body reacts to a mental or to a stimulus before your brain even realizes what's happening your body has already started reacting because it is it is reliving that stress it is reliving that trauma um and you have <clears throat> absolutely no control over it uh so with like ptsd is the easiest one to explain um You'll see this a lot of times with uh, PTSD individuals who have a like a firework go off and they immediately react as if it was a fire, uh, a, a bomb or a, mil a military firearm or something like that. Um, uh, anxiety is often connected with the PTSD effect because of crowds, the, the sense of being you know, crowded in. Um, so this is this is like. You're right. That is that is your mind will always wander. Like that's that's a standard uh, mental component, I guess, if you want to say. This is that on. This is like that a hundredfold. Like this is the point. This is to the point where your mind's not just wandering. Your body's actually reacting to things before you even realize. It's it's habitual reactions that you don't have any control over at all. And it it's you know like this is when people get hurt because of someone reacting to uh, a stimulus without even realizing it. Um, 
So what we also see is recently this has actually been linked to a neurotransmitter known as GABA. Uh, we refer to it as GABA because its name is gamma aminobutyric acid, and so GABA is a lot easier to say. Um, and this is actually the main inhibitory neurotransmitter in the brain. So basically what GABA does is... Um, Based on the levels of GABA in a section of your location of your brain called the hippocampus, which is involved with memory, uh, with regards to intrusive thoughts, if you, based on the levels of GABA that is present, an individual's ability to block retrieval processes and prevent thoughts or memories from returning actually varies. So with regards to schizophrenia, with regards to PTSD, depending on that level of the GABA that's present, you have a a higher chance of having these flashbacks or having these splits uh, in, in breaks of reality, um, which actually ties into insomnia. Insomnia is also connected to your GABA levels. Um, and this is specifically responsive to what's referred to as primary insomnia. Uh, there's a there's a different form called secondary insomnia, which is not what we're talking about here. Uh, primary insomnia is insomnia that is unrelated to another health issue or medication. That's that's secondary. Secondary is related to health issues and medications. This is just insomnia in general. Uh, so if you have low levels of GABA, that will often result in what's called a state of mental hyperarousal, where even if your body is exhausted, your mind remains alert and is completely unable to shut down um so that kind of that's where there's kind of a connection there too um on the flip side we have narcolepsy and and that's kind of an interesting that was an interesting symptom that was labeled side by side um narcolepsy is basically uh it's primarily thought to be related to the levels of uh what's referred to as hypocretin or uh, orexin it's a neurotransmitter um and the common theory currently about that is that uh, the lower level of hypocretin in the uh, is is due to the body's immune system actually mistakenly attacking parts of your brain, which produce that neurotransmitter. So your your body is basically sabotaging itself, and then that can't produce the relevant levels of hypocretin, um, and so then it doesn't have the ability to counteract the GABA levels, which then it's just like, so your GABA levels get too high and then your brain shuts down and that's narcolepsy. <laughs> like that's, that's literally what's happening is the GABA levels are not able to be counteracted by the hypocretin and, and it shuts down. Um, then you have nightmares. Everyone kind of understands nightmares, uh, defined the Harvard neuroscience Institute will has gone on record saying that dreams are understood to be recent autobiographical episodes that become woven with past memories to create a new memory that can be referenced later. However, nightmares or but nightmares are simply dreams that cause a strong but unpleasant emotional response. Uh, they can arise from a number of reasons. So you have stress, anxiety, irregular sleep, medications, mental health disorders, but perhaps the most studied case is uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Uh, wait, wait, in- wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me that a dream about me flying with a bear in a tutu is based off of memories? It is autobiographical episode. So what? It depends on what theory you follow with dreams. This is why I can't stand dream theory. Um, a lot of times, the, the very common thought process is that it's basically your brain. Um, purging uh unneeded information so it's not so much that it's a memory it's it's that that there are segments uh it's it's basically like a defrag process of your brain um so i have to witness the process again in order to get rid of it 
or I, I mean, have to yeah, witness the, I mean, basically, the, the bear it's, it's the it's the side effect. It's the side effect of your brain freeing up space because it's basically like, oh, I don't need to know about that. And, oh, there's a bear. Get rid of that because who doesn't want to get rid of bears? Um, and, you know, get rid of, you know, the fly. I mean, it's it's basically that's that's a really common theory. I mean, currently, previous theories you have, you know, like psychoanalytical theories where, you know, there's everything has a, has a reason or everything has a symbol on it. Um you can get you can go down a pretty deep rabbit hole with those um you have uh people who who claim visions in dreams where that's a communication you know depending on your religious or spiritual feelings that's you know that's some ways that sometimes cre- uh, entities from beyond can communicate you know waking dreams are referred to as visions as well um some people say dreams are hallucinations that just occur when you're in REM. You know, it it, it really the the gamut of theories <laughs> is very wide when it comes to what a dream is. Um, mm. And so, what they're basically doing here is they're saying that you have autobiographical episodes, so information that you've seen and that become woven with past memories to create a new memory that can be referenced later. Which, I mean, if you think about it, that really is what is happening. You're taking information that's in your brain already. You're taking another idea and you're weaving it together in this really weird thing and creating a new memory that can be referenced later. Doesn't have to make sense, which is like, that's that's the thing. I, I, I don't know. I, as an individual, don't remember dreams. So to me, it's like, okay, whatever. I, uh, I not gonna say i don't dream but i don't remember any of them so um i envy you (laughs) i i I, it's always been that way for me so like it's like i know everyone's like because i that was a big part of one of our classes was the dream analysis uh history it's it's fascinating like it is it's interesting but to me it was like i i can't connect with this because i'm like they're like well what do you dream about i'm like i don't know i'm sure i dream but i have no idea like I go, I turn off and I turn back on in the morning. That's how I remember. Um, <laughs> it's like, that's how it's always been for me. Um, there was actually a drug back in 2003 uh, that was noted as actually being helpful in relieving nightmares that were connected to PTSD and PTSD. Like I was saying, PTSD is the very, very study or very heavily studied cause Um or case of nightmares mostly because severe nightmares uh you also have like things called night terrors and you know all this stuff uh ptsd is is obviously one of the big causes like you can tell there's a very clear correlation between those two uh the drug uh, prazosin was uh reviewed in 2003 and it was noted as being somewhat helpful um is interesting though because it's traditionally used to address hypertension um but there was a connect there was a connection in the use of prazosin with the reduction of level of neurochemical neurochemicals in pathways that the ptsd stimulated so because ptsd stimulates specific synaptic synaptic paths there are chemicals that are stored in those pathways that get fired which then cause nightmares and so this drug just basically helped clean out those pathways so that when they got stimulated there wasn't that that uh collateral damage effectively um so the last one that we saw mentioned was the hallucinations which are really important because we kind of get a uh, concept especially later in the entry 
to that. Um, so these are generally linked with dopamine levels, uh, and hallucinations are defined as perceptions in the absence of external stimulus and are accompanied by a compelling sense of their reality. So they don't exist, but we, our brains are convinced that they do exist. Um, so the question here is, how is this item causing all of this in our characters? Like, what what is going on here? We had a reference there of uh, what was referred to as high tesla magnetic fields um so you you can you can actually do this to yourself today like if you go and listen to um i think it's asmr um certain individuals will have very notable reactions to those uh auditory events uh you can do this with like meditation music and you know all these different like you know study music is a big thing um to kind of drive that yeah, neurochemical level or the brain reaction to those things. That's kind of what's happening here is because they're exposed to these EMP levels or EMF levels within the artifact, it's actually changing your neurochemical structure of the brain. And it's, and the thing is here is that it's doing it to everybody who is, um, who is being exposed. So like, when uh, was it Keeling Vance? Uh, no exposure at all. Uh, Doctor Bo puts puts her or puts the technician in the room with the artifact, and after an hour, um, there is a drop in serotonin and a a noticeable rise in cortisol. Um, so there's a stimulus, and the only change in the environment was the exposure to the artifact. So you know there's the the correlation there, and then after a week, she is already unable to sleep because of the the neurochemical cascade that the stimulus is causing again the neurochemical cascade is when you're introduced to a stimulus something fires and then something fires because of that and it's the domino effect within there um and this is happening to everybody who's exposed can i ask a question real quick so when it comes to it comes to that neurochemical cascade since somebody is exposed to it once, you have a very mild effect that could theoretically go away. But is it similar to like a concussion where you, if you have continued exposure yes. or continued trauma, it becomes more permanent with it and thus becoming more and more pronounced yes. in the side effects? Yeah, and that's actually what we see as the, the entries for both the lore book and within the collector's edition journal go forward that's actually exactly what we see. And that ties back to, again, the aggressiveness that we see with Rasputin's shutting down uh, New Pacific. Because again, if this is all based off the data of the communication that's being being received, you're talking about basically the equivalent of a neuroplague. It, it's something that is, once it's released into a general population, if this stuff... If this but, would do this, I mean, there's, there's human, human biology. It, there's a reason that insomnia is such a big deal. You right. humans have to have sleep. The, 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 it's as annoying as it is. Humans need sleep because that is actually a soft reset on your brain's health. Um, if you go extended periods without sleep, you will actually exhibit and eventually go insane. Um, because here's your brain my argument cool down. Yeah, what's up? Here's my argument that 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 the data that Rasputin shut down isn't exactly the exact same thing that they're dealing with on here in K1. Nobody is reported in 
New Pacific as having any of these symptoms, not the Yet. scientists that are dealing with it. Right. But like if they've been studying it and gathering data, wouldn't they have some of those same symptoms come up? Paranoia? I don't necessarily... I mean, Shanice Pell was paranoid that Clovis Bray was coming to... And I mean, I guess the question is, is it paranoia if it's actually true? Um, right. But there, I mean, the thing is, is also there was a filtration of they were not, they were not interfacing with it through the artifact similar to K1. Now, the, the argument that I would make to your argument, so my counter argument to your counter argument, mm-hmm. is that within k1 we see that not only did they just review the data they actually went into various levels of ex- extreme exposure to that data um right. later later in the entries they have things like the the deep sensory tanks where they actually will go into a that's the fringe where they go into like the water and they they are completely absorbed into that data. So they're they're they are submersing themselves into data much more than just looking at you know looking at data on a computer screen, which is kind of how I got the New Pacific. That's what I got from them is they were looking at it from a deep space probe. So they were like, oh hey, this is being fed back through a computer to a computer. Like there's there's a marked filter uh, filtration process there. Right. And if that's the case, then is the data itself dangerous yes. or is it just the exposure? Well, I mean, well, here, so here's the thing. If there's we're not talking a ton about- of it, there's not a ton of like supportive evidence to say that this is the exact same data. Oh, correct, that- correct. Yes. I, I definitely agree with that. What I'm saying is in the effect of if this is the same data, the reason why I would argue that it is very dangerous is, and black flag just said this actually in chat. Um, when you talk about neurochemical cascades and neurochemical changes on this level, uh, your humans' brains are amazing. They do amazing things. But the other thing is they are extremely fragile. Uh, oh, sure. If you change the chemistry of your brain and you change it to a very good level, I mean, this is this is depression. Depression is the, the exact thing that I'm kind of thinking of. Like, you're never quote-unquote going to get better like it's it's something that your brain is once once synaptic pathways are constructed and once they are like burned into existence those synaptic pathways really don't go away um and that's where neurotransmitters come in is because they are helping form those pathways there was they're helping to form that once that pathway the path right and once that path is forged it's there like it's not and so like if you're talking about something that's actually rewiring your brain on a neurochemical level it is dangerous because you know we see that with uh dr green and her her shit you know josh mentioned the subtle shift in dr green's comments um she goes from being excited of breaking a code to referring to the artifact as a as her child like and that's in all of their exposure, like even even in the collector's edition journal, uh, Commander Kwan refers to it also that way. They they all take this whole thing and start referring to it as their you know their precious. If you want to go down that that route, um, because that's where the the anger when Clovis Bray comes in and Clovis Bray's like, "Hey, we're going to put this in a box." <laughs> 
like we're not they didn't even actually i mean like they they moved it to the 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 location that we that we see in d and the crucible map but like they 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 didn't actually quote take it off the moon they just put it in a box and it was like you know it was on par with someone kidnapping this team's child is the response that the the k1 crew kind of had to that so you know i mean the ramifications or the implications of that alone is really insidious because if that was just the artifact that's not actually the event that's communicating with them i mean if it knows enough to be able to do that it's i mean that's that's extremely dangerous that's that's something that can that's getting into what i saw i saw someone uh, josh i think you put it in there these violent these violent what is it oh these violent delights have violent violent ends yeah i mean that's that's the that's the end level that i'm thinking is like everyone thinks that they're doing the thing of free will but it's actually not free will it's because you have been changed in a way that you don't even realize that you have been changed i mean that's that's the danger of mental mental illness i mean that's that's why it's such a big deal and why it's something that is so important to keep an eye on uh so we have a very thorough explanation of the psychological effects that is that are going on in no end to be fair i warned everybody (laughs) i know you did and i am i and like i typed in the the private chat with josh it's just like you know when it comes like comes to psychology i just let blue go to his happy place because that's where he loves to be and so um josh did you have anything specifically on a the literary uh, aspect for noentics before we move on to deep space signal and the theories that go into that one uh nope not really we could head over to the next one all right, I'm going to let you start Deep Space Signal and anything that you had with that, because there were some interesting things that popped up that we kind of mentioned in the introduction episode. So, um, I mean, you know, we talked about the PQC, which is a new phenomenon to me. Um, I think we get a lot of, we get a lot of probably uh, the writers having some fun with us with like the sweet nightmare milk. Mm-hmm. Best exactly. line exactly. in the book. Um, but then we also get, you know, the uh we actually get the signal and we get the and you know, I'm thinking of uh not unveiling the other one that came out during Season of the Undying. The one that spoke about the Vex aspects. Mm-hmm. Um and how they're interpreting a pattern. Uh, that is presumably being given off by the darkness for the soul divisive. Um, so that's, you know, that was sort of what was in my mind. Um, and that these two are really just the observers. You know, they're probably the ones that are uh, behind a computer screen, just monitoring this thing day in, day out, and just watching sort of the signal flows. Um, and f- in some ways, and I know that's not, true because of the previous card but in some ways they also seem like the ones who they're the ones who notice uh, 
they're the ones who notice some of the changes and some of the, I guess, possible or potential dangers that are happening without seeing it happen to an individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the pattern could be anything. So them seeing that the pattern is shifted and that the pattern possibly coming uh, from outside the solar system and stuff like that, that, you know, that's a, uh, that's a sign for them, you know? So that's really what I'm like picking up. Blue in the intro episode, you had mentioned the aspect of um, intertwined, the intertwined physics or the um, duality of the possibility of the way these guys are communicating. If that's the case, why is there an echo? Though there's not an echo is the argument. Right. But they're, they're sensing (laughs) the fact that there's something coming back. Right. And that's, that's the whole thing is like, they're like, it's bouncing. So think it's bouncing the signal off something. And they're like, yeah, but this signal doesn't bounce like, right. And so the, the logic, there is like okay if it's not bouncing and it's coming back at us <laughs> that means something else is coming like you know it, it's it's something there um like that that was kind of the the thing there that i kind of got that and it was a oh it's a new pattern and but then like it was, uh, it was super interesting but i got old i'm bored <laughs> this mm-hmm. this is also where you see Hey, you haven't slept, and he called. I mean, he calls that out. He says, "When our shift's over, I probably won't be able to sleep until two hours before I have to get up and do it all over again." Um, right. So yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's a new pattern. So it's not only that it's not an echo; it's not even bouncing. It's a completely new, or not a completely new pattern. It's a slight shift, but it's coming from the same area that the original signal was coming from, but it's different. And so that's that's where it was kind of like, okay, so there is a communication there. Um, hang on real quick, because I know there was a reference. Um, uh, so yeah, so the reference is entry seven in the journal. Um, it says, Yan and Loftus are making progress on the distant source that communicates with the article. Their models describe the signal as a ripple moving through a six-dimensional six manifold present at every point of our familiar four-dimensional space-time. I almost understand it. But I am too much a creature of motion to attach the space I know. I almost wish they would make less progress than I could afford to go easy on them, but it is clear that a major component of their work is intuitive and driven by proximity to the artifact. I've been pushing their exposure limits because I fear that is the honest word. Clovis Bray will seize the site soon. Um, and then that drives into Quang's uh, or Quan's um, paranoia there. Um, and then goes on to question, what if this object is hostile, even malevolent? Would they tell the world? Would the truth align with their end? And that goes into a whole different thing about um, Clovis Bray uh, censoring data, which we also saw in New Pacific. Uh, it's called out. Um, yeah, it was. It's, and if you read that in conjunction with the deep space signal, uh, the signal between phasic realities is not something not something capable of bouncing off anything. So the return of the signal indicated that there was something sending it back. And the image that is on the page is something that is similar to what the uh, PQZ file would. It's a 3D fractal image that's being drawn. Okay. 
So after the signal is discovered coming back and forth between um, their location and the deep space site that is not necessarily marked in any way, shape, or form, but just a deep space site, we have the board meeting mm-hmm. and the first instances of firewalls scrubbing data or scrubbing the interactions. Yes. Uh, Comments, concerns, prayer request about this one. AI are scary, even if it's not fail safe. Well, still scary. So the thing is, is like all the scrubbing that is being done is actually by the request of Commander Quang. Um, And actually firewall is like, delete, delete, delete send to Rasputin like I mean like he it, it's it's still sending this data to Rasputin um, and that's called out in the last half of this uh, it's like tell it's so funny the argument that basically firewall and the commander get into it's like firewall scrub the following records or follow following from your records firewall sever connection to more mind Rasputin negative <laughs> it's like, it's just it's so funny like, like fire, firewall is like nope it's almost like Cade with the tower computer. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it. I mean, it, it, horse but, people. Yeah, horse people. What? But but that's really and so like so then more mind Rasputin requests reason for break of contact and and commander is like we'll tell him to talk to aer- aeronautics of China sever connection. Um, and firewall's response is negative. Uh, Rasputin will maintain open ch- uh, channel, and so then. They, she just basically is like, all right, whatever. Just bring up a map for the critical relays of cross-space transmission uh, because basically she's convinced that Clovis Bray is bugging the communication that is being sent uh, to and from Earth from the K-1 complex. Uh, which, I mean, I, I, I mean, whatever. I don't, I won't necessarily see that as wrong. Um, the difference here is that because of that paranoia, that's actually why she physically goes back to earth, uh, to report to the the board what's going on or why she says that she's going to go back, uh, because she is accusing Clovis Bray of, um, basically meddling. Yeah. Basically, um, stealing IP differences. It is something that they are working with. I mean, don't you think they would want to know what's going on? Besides the that's nefarious kind of, aspect yeah, that Clovis Bray is doing. But. Yeah, it, that's actually what the board's response kind of seemed like to me, was they're like, well, yeah, Clovis Bray is the, I mean, they're partners in this project. Like, I don't think, the board doesn't seem to be like, oh, no, they, they're actually very light about it they're like oh you accuse Clovis Bray of what monitoring our communication do you think they're listening right now and it's called out that there's like laughter um mm-hmm. you know and and so there's there well and then there's also corrupted data here um and, but then she goes ahead and she says you know I'm going to make quarterly reports um or if we make a discovery of note I will be there personally because she doesn't want to communicate over the channel that's definite paranoia. Oh yeah, I mean, yes. And the the response that she has to Alton showing up is often like it, it's it's yeah. She she this is the point at which um even Firewall 
uh, calls out in the threat detective. He goes in, he goes, you know, threat detect original was none, all parties level one clearance, and then revised detect level four psychosis. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, again, you know, threat level, threat response, record for posterity, revised response, exhibit record 22, file report to Rasputin. So again, it's just, it's backing up everything because at this point it's noticing firewall is starting to notice the extended exposure the extended effects you know this and this hasn't even we haven't even hit a year on the point of this one this is day 279 Um, right so and remember this took place over three years so they're already having this level of psychosis uh having this level of side effects uh and that's just with the people that are there temporarily uh commander coin never leaves the the site really like she she's constantly at the site she's constantly on the site so whereas other people are being protected through the the cycling of you know every week or every she's she's kind of there she's not at she's not at revelation she's at command center right right but she does she what i mean is like whereas there is a there is a um there's a cycle of personnel like you know the personnel kind of rotate through she doesn't rotate through she is there constantly and she actually does have a lot of presence within revelation she she has whereas captain uh captain hui uh actually doesn't which is an interesting piece mm-hmm. okay so the next card is mouse mm-hmm. the introduction of dr green and I read this as primarily a baseline yes. for her character to get a psychological profile of her character kind of in your head. So you see the her own psychosis take hold later I would, on. I would agree with that. Josh, any thoughts or feelings on this guy? No, yeah, I agree. And it also does the origins of the Traveler. You know, oh, just yeah. To, yeah. Just to sort of give you that little grain that this could be different than what you are already assuming it is. And even if it's not, there might be a bigger backstory to that regardless. So, you know, I mean, we've since Shadowkeep, we've had, you know, uh, the unveiling and we've had a lot of discussion on the light and the dark and deep in the sky and all that stuff. And so it, it at least gives you the, you know, the little hint that there's a lot more and maybe this is sort of, it could possibly be a neutral party. You know, right. We we know it's not, or at least we assume it's not by the end of it, but it at least allows for that discussion to happen in your head when you're reading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, figure. The figure. This is the start of the really, really creepy side, like it hasn't already started, but... Blue, you want to jump into this one since this is the start of kind of like crazy hallucinations that are going on with it? Yeah, this is why this is this is actually the start of why I I challenge everyone likes jumping on the bandwagon um, of, oh, it's the hive that are taking them out. I'm like, eh, is it because these entries start talking about hallucinations and figures and things that show up that aren't but and and we've seen that in game and it's not the hive like the hive aren't the ones that are jumping through walls and hanging out over our beds while we sleep because you know that's that's not creepy at all um 
You know what that sounds like to me? Sleep paralysis. That's actually what is explained in the card. Uh, they are uh, the doctor. I think it's Doctor Henson. Um, calls out that it could be uh, Atonia uh, sleep paralysis, which is Atonia while consciousness. Um, and they actually refer to you. Just need more gamma and uh, GABA. They just need more GABA in your system, um, which is the insomnia. Your body was in a sleep state while your mind was awake. Uh, and so, you know, and that's where this, so he, or, uh, Dr. Henson sends, uh, some medication to increase the GABA in, in, or to help with that level. Um, and then actually the thing is, is like, but here's the thing is I don't think the doctor actually thinks that because upon leaving the chambers, the doctor requests a spectrum wide scan of the quarters and, you know, basically it's like (laughs) firewalls, like, sure. But I require the commander's consent and relay a permission request. And then the doctor's like, no, probably nothing. So, like, I read that last section as, okay, the doctor, I don't think the doctor actually thinks this is, an, this is a, a hallucination. Like, there's something that they're picking up is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else on this one before we move to the visitor? Well, at least for me, I know I know since Shadowkeep the idea is what they are hallucinating, the figures that they're starting to see, uh, that they're basically the shades that we have on the moon today. And for some reason I didn't maybe I just didn't imagine it that way. I don't know I don't, if it was I don't just... think they're the same shades because the shades that we see today are guardians. <laughs> or remnants of like the trauma that you see in K one. I mean, think about how some of them yell at you, and mm-hmm. some of them are guardians, absolutely from like um, the battle on Mary Contignum. But uh, some of them are also they don't necessarily sound like guardians. Oh no, no, no! I, no. I don't think they're. I don't think they're guardians. I think they're shades, though, because the other thing is, if you look again, looking at the threat level that's detected, it's jumping from eight to nine. It's like, okay, possible psychosis, crew impairment, but then it drops to level five. But the reason why it drops to level five is because it's not a psychosis. It's actually possible exotic. So it's basically, it's firewall. The way I read that was it was firewall going, oh, okay, it's probably not their brains are breaking. It's something that is affecting them. It's actually, they're not hallucinating. They're actually, there's actually something happening. Is how I read that, which is why you see a, a, a level five instead of a level eight or nine. Now, of course, I don't know how they're ranking the levels. Um, you know, it could be lower numbers are worse, <laughs> which if we're playing golf, that's a bad thing. Um, but that I, that's how I read that was it was it was also here that you see firewall go from the review of psychosis to review of possible exotic threat. No. And I see what you guys are saying, uh, especially with the ones that we have now. You know, they all have different dialogue. But what I mean is, when I was reading this, and when I guess the image that was coming into my head was, this is literally just, uh, it's just a figure in the back. It is a figure without any, uh, any apparent stature at all. I mean, I, I had the idea of the 
the statue that's inside the pyramid ship. Mm-hmm. That was sort of the idea I was having. Like, it's literally something that you know is present, or at least you assume is present, but it doesn't have a form. It doesn't have a discernible uh, well, and so, body real, type. Real quick, I, I feel like... Um, so Entry 9 from the journal... <laughs> actually talks about this and it says must speak with Hinton about what I saw a dark visitor. And then it's, uh, she writes in a number 19 praise to Tara, which translates into she whom gods, Titans and spirits attend can dispel any terrors that come in dark hours A proof against chaos. Her beauty has powers. Um, Tara, who's God, whom gods and Titans heed, you may dispel any terrors that come in dark hours. You are proof against chaos. Your beauty has power. I am not afraid. Um, so she actually sounds very much like a prayer. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's this is it starts like kind of going into that part, but she does actually see a manifestation. Um, and then she, quickly following that, she says, Entry 10 is, Oh, it's just sleep paralysis, a byproduct of overwork. Henson is more pragmatic than Bow or Bow and perhaps more naive, which I'm like, Oh. Oh, that's not reassuring. Um, and then Sati analysis. Am I rationalizing a significant and dangerous event because the local context has blinded me? Unsure. I will find time to meditate on it. She also scribbles in like a drawing of it, right? Uh, not on this particular entry, but yes, she does have scribblings on a couple of them. Okay. Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> later. Uh, where is it? It's like near the end that she has the dark figure. That's really creepy to look at. Um, Boxing Day. I'm going to let you and Josh take the lead on this one, because this one, I I don't feel comfortable with this one. So just the, so the first thing that I wrote, uh, so this is the quote that, that Janet Green has. She says, I don't like it, the idea of trapping it like that, alone in the dark, forever crying out, but mama can't hear you. So the first thing I actually thought of was constellations uh, with one of whatever one of those last two cards are um, mm-hmm. where we get the traveler sort of talking uh, that it's been screaming until its throat is dry. And nobody could hear it. Mm-hmm. That, that was the first thing I thought of. Then I read it again and I was like, oh, this is scary. Somebody stopped me from reading this. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so is this the my precious golem effect that's going on with dr green it's that she's that. i think it's, it's like i Rosemary. mean yeah i it's think like rosemary's baby yes yes like it's i mean to to put it simply green yes that is but i mean it's also much much more because this is so we had like you had mentioned mouse the entry mouse was kind of the baseline for dr mm-hmm. green Mm-hmm. which makes this that much more problematic because you see with with mouths dr green was like oh yeah hey there's an artifact and they that's cool because we're going to crack the code that you know blah, blah blah here it's all about i can't i can't stand it they're going to box box it up and they're going to study and poke you forever crying out but mama can't hear you they're moving it away i might not see it again i might not see you again and that's too sad so i'm just too sad we'll talk more later and then mm-hmm. there's a minute or two minutes of silence, and then what's the point? Which has its own chilling, you know, ramifications in my brain. But 
So she's assimilated it into her own child. They're indistinguishable in her mind in some respects. Right. Which going back to the data, having neurotransmitted or neurochemical uh, cascades, if it's mm-hmm. rewriting people to the point that it, they're establishing connections to this level, that's extremely insidious. And it's, you know, that's again, if you see this as an evolution of that, that effect, all of a sudden people are going to be, you know, this, this innocent thing that's, it's communication, you know, it's, this is, this is what happens with like things that can rewrite things as simple as chemistry. Um, you know, just adding a chemical to the human brain, you can, you can really mess people up and that's what you start seeing. And then like within the journal for entry 13, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing from the commander's point of view, basically. It starts out with Clovis Brace stole it and it's circled like three or four times in like heavy hand. Uh, there's a drawing of the Clovis Bray icon with it's it's been X'd out and cr- like scratched out. Um, he, and she says, you know, he asked, uh, so he's talking about Alton and um, he asked me why we want to keep suffering under its influence, risking unknown noetic effects and massive psychological attrition. He insisted on patholo- pathologizing the experience of contact as if every difficult discipline from Buddhism to contact bridge doesn't suffer attrition in its learners. His corporation has designed a gruesomely over-engineered containment system to hold the article. It poses more of a danger to us than the artifact ever did. Yet we have no choice but to install it. Then the whole containment system and its suspension will be hauled away from the dig to to a permanent Clovis Bray laboratory nearby. Um, my thoughts have become snarled and septic. No more provocation. I must recenter myself. So, I mean, it's it's the whole thing again. Now, there is a degree of truth here when she comments about the, the containment unit being dangerous. Um, when you see them talking about what they built the containment unit out of, it is called mm-hmm. out that if they if they re or they misalign something, it would like blow up the moon or something like it was. It's like there's there is significant problems with how they with what they constructed it with. Um which also goes to tell you just how much Clovis Bray really wanted to limit exposure to this. Okay. Um, what about, okay, move, can we, did you move on to Waking Dreams? Some sort of, some of them are starting to blur together. I'm no, sorry. Waking Dreams, Waking Dreams is, um, well, Waking Dreams is, does have, does have the, yeah, the that's, whole, you don't want to be in David. the solar system. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. the da- that was the David thing that we talked about last episode. Uh, you also see the revised threats. Um, confirmed exotic psychosis dangerous crew impairment protocol in compliance. Right, uh, but David David has created this uh, cosmophasic field around the object to generate a convergence point. He he can't build it with the material that we have, but he like he's just in his mind has discovered this um, design because of, in his mind, because of the orb, because of the yes artifact. Yeah, is he, that... he basically is, he is basically a echo chamber for the artifact at this point, is how I took it. So, okay. Just gonna throw this out there. It's total just BS, mostly. 
the traveler itself had a very similar effect on humanity in a more <laughs> mild sense in the fact that the traveler sparked the golden age and helped humanity reach its full potential i see i see you're paying attention to chat right now oh actually i'm not i don't have chat pulled up yet they're, um, they're asking I, they're asking uh dancing is talking about the whole speaker uh mm-hmm. visions be connected to k1 Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it, it's that, the thing is, is again, two sides of the same coin, right? I mean, the darkness and the light being two right. sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same communication practice. I mean, it, it's, it's the just, thing is, like when you when that was the thing that one of the things that stood out for me at the end of Shadowkeep is the vision that we have at the end of Shadowkeep is very similar to the vision that we get, you know, with the Traveler. It's very, it's very similar in the communication style. And so mm. you see here again, you know, we have the instances of, um, the, well, they, I mean, they weren't really, they were kind of, well, they were speakers, but they weren't the prophetic speakers that we see in current game. But the speakers of the Golden Age were those who had that, that direct topological connection. Uh, they were able to translate thoughts into a topological communication with the traveler and, you know, communicate back and forth. That, that that's what is going on with this artifact um except this is i don't mean this as a pun but this is the darker side of what that means because mm-hmm. if you're talking telepathy you're talking direct you know connection on a mental level well what else can be done when you're doing that like you know there's there's other things that can get transmitted than just information right but here's the thing, like, do the speakers obviously are able to sleep? There's no mention of the speakers having insomnia or anything like that to that extent. But the no. waking dreams is a right. thing that they do describe. But but again, so that's the, what I mean is like, this is two sides of the same the coin. Dark side, this right, is the, the dark this side, right? The dark side of it. Dangerous side. I, w- I mean, I think I agree that it would be darker, but I can also just, I would, I would more generally say this is the dangerous point of doing like, direct brain communication um there was a podcast a podcast that just did something similar to this and i just blinked on it um but it it kind of dealt with this kind of concept of like direct you know communication via tele- telepathy is all so- it, it sounds great it sounds like something everyone wants but then you all soon realize that if you have that level of communication with everybody around you that's a degree of transparency that you have to be ready for and you know there's there's a lot more that can get communicated than what you might just think initially and and we're seeing that with this right here with this neurochemical cascade that's effective or affected by this and yeah dino dino's saying dino's saying the same thing like i i i I don't think um I, I don't think that K1 is connected to the speaker. I, I think that, and just like Dino saying, it's like, this is the same method is how right. I kind of took I, it. I don't right. think it's, I don't think I, it's the artifact tricking everybody. No, I think that it's oh, literally no. just saying like, this is the same method of communication. It's just interesting to see the, the brilliance that's the sacrifice that you have to have for brilliance with this this type oh, of thing. Yeah. And what is the what is the, the purpose of David's um, creation? Well, that's the thin that line is, between genius and insanity, right? But that second question: What is the purpose of 
David's design. Is that hologram still available? Is that design ever been made to fruition? I would, and if so, I would say yes. The hologram probably is still available because this is all getting sent to Rasputin. Um, I don't know if there's any fruition because again, he makes a comment about you know it would have. <laughs> I kind of took it as like if you engage this drive, you're gonna there's gonna be serious ramifications to it. Um, gosh, which that has its own there's own connection mm-hmm. of spin foil theories with the whole elixney whirlwind and stuff like that um you know it, it's just we can see I, I i mean there there's a lot of potential connections there that are just at the at the moment completely potential mm-hmm. um but i could see this being ultimately something that gets drawn back into the 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 um the way that you know you have the mention of convergence point you have the mention of the solar system having in, you know accidental destruction or something like that plus this is something that it will it will send you very far i mean we have previous examples of this exact thing with the elixni and the whirlwind and then we had the the elixni crossing the dark spaces between galaxies somehow and arriving in our system you know again what if that was something that was accidentally brought along you know, there, there's a couple connections that you can make with that, too, mm-hmm. especially with the connection that just got made with the web lore today and the Maw. Yeah, dancing. Sorry. Yeah, dancing just made that the Maw. Um, I mean, that's that's where my brain kind of was connecting there. Uh, Josh had made another literary connection back to the King in Yellow. Josh, you want to he just put it in chat. Do You want to jump on that? Yeah, so uh, sort of what I was saying. So, you know, we have David Pell. He's, he's uh, I guess you could say he's getting some dangerous inspiration from the article and able to, uh, enabling him to make this field. Uh, and that goes back to what I was saying with the King in Yellow. Uh, the second story is called The Mask, and it's about this young scientist who reads the play The King in Yellow and he starts developing this chemical that allows him to turn living things into marble. Uh, and so he starts making his art all over the place. Um, and I think he actually might have started off as an artist, as a sculptor. Um, and he starts experimenting. And first he's making flowers into marble and he's making rabbits into marble. Uh, and then the misfortune that his fiance jumps into the pool and she herself becomes a marble statue. Um, and he ends up committing suicide uh, just from all the trauma of, of having seen her be turned to a statue, having sort of uh, uh, come to understand and yet still accepting what he read in the play of The King in Yellow. Uh, it sort of reminds me all of, you know, with the article and David Pell and all that stuff. You want... How about we move into classify? I know that the debate with that last card is going to go on and on about the connections and the spin fall for sure. <laughs> Just saying. I realize this chat. I realize I'm pushing us forward. It is oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. This one. Yeah. Classified. This one's fun. This one is uh, Commander Huang 
getting a, a realization from oh, a little bit. I mean, firewalls kind of snippy back. I mean, oh, yeah. firewall. Uh, I, lo- I like firewall. Fire- firewall. It says that a uh, firewall wants to connect to Rasputin. Commander says nope. <laughs> firewall says uh, yes. <laughs> firewall says why first. <laughs> Commander responds. Firewall says, um, why are you asking, or Commander asks, why are you asking about connecting to Rasputin? Classified from Firewall. <laughs> Classified by who? And the next one is my favorite one, because if you know the definition of mendacity, that is hilarious. Because um, AI calm Firewall mendacity security protocol. Security protocol is what she ties into, but mendacity is un- it literally means untruthful. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, this AI is just calling you out as this whole thing is just a whole- you you I'm gonna curse. This whole thing's bad. Just saying. <laughs> it's so fun. This is where this is actually where my appreciation of firewall kind of took off was because <laughs> I have to agree with that. <laughs> it's like, I, Josh, you might you might know this one, but liar. <laughs> it's the lying yeah, cat. It's, it's lying cat is what it is. It's just, oh my god. I, I mean, I, I I am personally a very sarcastic person in my day to day life, and so just reading like those last couple between uh, between the commander and firewall is just mm-hmm. like, oh, and I suppose you want me to have a Clovis Ray technician come. <laughs> Yes. Maybe even if <laughs> do some diagnostics. Affirmative. <laughs> Negative. No, there's, there's no way that this will be happening. Absolutely no way. Well, the reason why Commander wants to, like, ask about the whole diagnostics and having a technician come is because Firewall has been classifying and having these corrupted files which I'm corrupted are air quotes right now, because I think that is firewall's way of masking the files from the commander that firewall is wanting to send to Rasputin. I can see that. I don't know if that's actually the case at this point, but it really seems like that is what it's trying to do. It's trying to reconnect to Rasputin to get the information to him. Right. And actually the reason I agree with that is because of what happens in later with captain because mm-hmm. fire firewall is the one that's like oh you're gonna make a break for it okay i'll help you transmit what do i what do transmit. i need to do to cover you up <laughs> and, uh, then, and then also other... firewall starts messing with the timestamps. right that's any another thing. any other major things from classified before we move on other than I mean, firewall's a bamf and the commander has gone bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, our small steps is the speech about the Exodus project. You know, maybe I just totally skipped the identity, but I read one small step. I read Paul's for applause, and I'm like, is this Clovis Bray? Mm-hmm. And I just completely and and God. I need to stop thinking because now my head is hurting. <laughs> this is, this is, I think, uh, I think if you don't have the journal, I think this is the moment where you, uh, where you fully understand that the commander has gone over. 
in my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, the other thing is, is like, I know that the Exodus project was, um, because this is also where you have like Yang Liwei, uh, chat's talking about this, (laughs) Yang Liwei and stuff like that. And there's new um, colony ships that have, you know, and and there's a lot of different ways to read it. Like this could be something where she's like, you know, you like what you're saying is like, she's lost it. And she's like, yeah, the, the information that we've invented will help, you know, do this and this and this and it's announcing a new phase of the project because of our work you know like all that or you could be right. or it could be flip side it could be hey they're actually they actually are doing a an excess project and this is her uh practicing you know well here yeah well i mean look at the the threat detect there's none this is a speech right. composition this right. is her preparing a speech this isn't one that may have actually been given but if this is a genuine genuine feeling and not just her losing it this yeah her with this uh image of grandeur that she has for herself at this point but if it's a legitimate thing the um blueprints that david came up with who's to say that there aren't other quote-unquote inventions or technologies invented because of this interaction with the artifact that did actually lead to the exodus project being you had so sorry, you had the call out of other things being invented because there was the mention of ingrammatic matter in mm-hmm. in one of the I can't remember if we already crossed over it but or not, but one of the texts uh was in the the tank and she's like, Oh, I had something on ingram uh, programmable matter, but I I lost it. And I was like, What? Like and that was I think it was before because that was one of the things that like Clove Spray was like known for ingrammatic matter. And I was like, Did did they just acknowledge that there's a possibility that Clovis Brace stole that, <laughs> which wouldn't be entirely surprising, but it would be kind of funny at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, and there's, I mean, we know that they were doing the Exodus project. So that's why I actually personally read this as like her being like, they basically have sent them, you know, heads up, we're going to be doing another phase. And we want to see if anyone is interested in going, you know, because, you know, whatever. Because she also mentions, like, today in a message that will be relayed system-wide, Aeronautics of China is announcing a new phase. I can I can read it both ways, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I can read it as a delusion of grandeur, or if I can, or I can read it as um, an actual practicing. So we get an explanation in the next card of why a lot of the areas are locked down a bit more tightly mm-hmm. in the first disappearance. Though not all of the areas would have remained locked down after this after this thing has happened, but this is the first disappearance when Dr. Yanoi goes missing and has stolen a suit in the mining area for Site, uh, site 4, I believe. Or, yeah. Airlock B Site 4 has taken the mining suit and they are super paranoid that she has taken some technology and ran. So Commander basically says Firewall, lock down everything, and Firewall does that. And you see the fact that the Commander has been expecting something like this because they think that... mm, Yeah, I think that's the captain calls that out. He's like, whoa, (laughs) what just happened? Right for a long time now <laughs> okay security plan delta 
Is there anything else based off of this one that you're like? I I would say that this is the splitting point for the commander and the captain. Absolutely. Commander has lost it. Captain is like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. I also, I there were two things that I noticed. One, so she's singing. Not oh yeah, that singing. Not that singing is anything creepy. Uh, <laughs> I'm sort of if you've if you've seen the haunting of Hill Hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm picturing when Nell is sort of just dancing through the oh, mansion. No. That's what I was picturing the whole time. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but the second thing was, is that she's, sing- <laughs> I'm on she's the moon. singing. It's made of cheese. Yep. That's what I thought. Exactly. <laughs> Dino. She's singing the moon song that Shaq sang to us that air sang to him. <laughs> She's she's singing and she's singing in a language that Firewall can't recognize. Correct. And I'm trying to figure out what could that language possibly be. It would not, have to totally not that we've been giving context. Well, I was actually God damn it. I was actually <laughs> gonna say uh, um uh whatever language uh Dredgen Yor is derived from mm, like the, mm-hmm. the name because the name is sort of this lost language that very few apparently know of. Yeah, see, Dancing Fairy was the same thing. You know, that was sort of the first thing to pop into my head. So, <laughs> Green, <Yeah>. stop typing. <laughs> <laughs> I broke pens. She had a pen and it had to be shared. Um, it was very painful. It, it was very pain. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's too much else in this card besides the creepy factor of that could, I mean, the card in the card itself, it calls out that it is confirmed exotic and going on in here that the AI has just like absolutely confirmed that there is something exotic, not something it's familiar with going on at this point. So your threat detection level is kind of all over the place from three to 10, essentially. But uh, I still think the funniest part of the uh, threat detect is protocol and compliance is always 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why actually no chill. Yeah. Well, I kind of read that as that's where I I made a comment when I first started talking about it. I was like, I think 10 is like low. Like, it's like, stop it. No, stop it. Like, (laughs) it's basically the equivalent of like, God, just just stop. Like, just (laughs) either it has no chill or, yeah, it's the low end of the scale. And it's just uh, recording it because it's like, it's the AI part of it. It's like, you're not, be- God, just just stop. Just mm-hmm. follow the rules. <laughs> uh, grim assessment. Josh, you said you had some more going on about this one that you felt like this one. To be honest, completely honest with listeners, I hate reading through Rasputin <laughs> code and hate reading through the AI coding. I I will do it. And I break it apart like any other good lore person, but I hate it. So this is not me. You guys take this one. I mean, when I was, I didn't actually get a chance to do it. And I, I totally resonate with how you, when I looked at this, I was like, all right, I need to highlight in the same color, repetitive phrases so that I can just get those out of the way. So like threat response, 
cool. Every other line is going to start with that. That's relatively unimportant. Um, these are cool. These suck to try and read. Uh, but I guess the whole purpose of this is to say Firewall and Rasputin are trying to calculate what, uh, what mortality possibilities would come about in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to be all over the place, but it's also dependent on the type of threat that happens. So, uh, like he's got, uh, Firewall has a, an assessment for psychosis, has an assessment. But these are all sort of, I don't want to say they're random, uh, but Firewall is only taking from what he, from what it knows has happened. And I don't think it, you know, like the exotic influence, 95%, you know, mm-hmm. and it's basically because the exotic, inf- like the firewall doesn't know what that is. So I, it's a, this is also one of those moments. And I, yeah, with one of the later cards where, <sighs> yes, firewall has a personality, but I, I'm, I'm not trying to get into the discussion of whether a machine can feel, but this is one of the first times where I'm thinking Firewall might be afraid. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Firewall is part of Rasputin. Rasputin's main directive is to help sustain humanity, right? Like, that's one of the main directives that Rasputin has. So I don't know if the emotion aspect actually comes into it. It's more of the threat response, threat response. That's the first part of every one of these lines, right? Threat assessment, threat response, threat assessment. And then you have the reasoning what why that he's targeting psychosis, exotic influence, efficacy assessment, veracity system shutdown, assessed 4.782.0. I mean, there's also, okay, blue, I know you want to jump into that before we close up, I'm sure, but this one, you're getting multiple assessments based off of the possible threats and the, it's almost like an equation of this Mm -hmm. is where we're heading. If I see this, this is the chance that this is going to happen. This is where we need to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you see a change from threat assessment to threat response, threat assessment, threat response. So it's, it's exactly that. It's an if then uh, format. It's like, it's like, Hey, your quota exceeded this. So exotic influence was the cause. Your efficacy is this. So this is the cause medical is this. So this is cause. And then at the end you actually see, you know, mortality assessment assessed is 0.5%. There's psychosis and all this. And it's actually because, and then the one of the last ones is threat response plan. So this is the plan of it. Mitigation countermeasure proceed um, system specific timekeeping dilation. Um, the point here is that within the next entry, which is actually called time lapse, we actually see that firewall has gone so far as to actually start actually manipulating the time stamps or not the time stamps, but the clocks of the entire complex. And that is because they are supposed to only, they are only supposed to be exposed to the artifact for like 30 minutes while they're continuously going over that exposure. They're overexposing themselves and they're, they're continuously deteriorating and firewall is like, okay, look, you aren't listening to me. So I'm just going to make it seem like you have been there for 40 minutes when you've actually only been there for 20 and he's con- like, I, and, and like that's that's to me that's where you see firewall being like he's it's basically the equivalent of an AI throwing its hands in the air and like look, you won't listen, so I'm gonna have to actually change things to make you do this 
what what we know will actually supposedly help you know it's it's really that's kind of how i read that you know this is where english vocabulary helps i didn't know what mendacity meant so when i read that card i'm thinking all of these people are having their own sort of time misunderstood because of their affliction from the article Mm -hmm. so now that i know that i'm like oh that makes not a lot more sense but that definitely makes sense with what firewall has been doing and and will do in the subsequent cards right yeah and i i think that's important too that that last one is system specific timekeeping dilation and that is really where he is he's and you see that in time lapse they're like wait what it's it's been three hours and it's Mm -hmm. it's it hasn't (laughs) like it's like, and it, and they, because they all, because it's, again, it's the whole, um, space odyssey thing. It's everything is dependent on the AI to tell them what's going on. So when firewall decides, I'm just going to have to actively shift your time and dilate your time so that it seems like it's longer. They don't have a frame of reference to, to disagree with it because everything is connected to firewall. So all the clocks are showing the same, like, you're like, I think it's only been five minutes. And it's like, no, the clock says it's been 15. Well, what does this clock say? It's been 15. Like he's, he's completely, he, he's manipulated, which two sides of that story, a, it's not going to help if they're also, also having active hallucinations because that's a whole nother level of paranoia. But also I see where firewalls coming from. He's like, I've tried constantly to tell you people to stop doing this. And you just don't. So, like, here we go. Like, yeah. And and that's and that's why when you read the very last ending, I'm like, I see the the a lot of people how they are like firewalls, like, no, you're gonna die, ha 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 ha, you know, like that whole like, I'm sorry, Dave, thing. And I'm like, I don't, I personally don't read it that way. I read it as firewall being, no, I'm not gonna let you have access to the artifact. You don't need it. You need to leave. You need to leave. Like, go away like evacuate the base and everyone's trying to get into that dig site. And he's like, no, (laughs) like that's just like, this is, this is the source of the problem and you you're addicted. Like it's, you know, it's a, the AI equivalent of an inner intervention that ends horribly. Well, okay. Not to, you know, I know we're finishing up. So jump to the end. So that's, uh, uh, oh my god, Dig Site 3, that is where the artifact is at the end I of I think, it? so Dig Site 3 was, hang on, let me make sure, so the artifact's no longer on any of the Dig Sites, right? Because it's been boxed up and moved to the, the lab. Um, which is the, which is the Crucible map. Correct, yes. Uh, Dig Site, I'm trying to remember right, if I when have. I, so Revelation, when yes, down, Revelation is where you have Waypoint Zero. So it is at the waypoint zero, but the artifact is not there. But it's again, okay. like you also have on uh, Revelation, you also have the research outpost, which is where like you have all the not the transceiver receptions and communion. Uh, so it's not at that same place, but this is this is like basically ground zero. No, yeah, I'm just saying because you know you're talking about how they're trying to get the artifact and that's that that just wasn't what i was reading from down um at least from the last three cards uh the last three committing uprising uh where we we have all of these separate events happening 
law sectors that we know today. And they're basically three different groups of people dealing with the, I guess, the climax of everything that's been going on. And so in Downfall, I was, I solely viewed that as an escape and not really something, uh, I guess, more malicious than trying to get the artifact. Mm-hmm. Um, the well, I mean, really and, and that's where I kind of think I can see, like, I think that this is the AI not being able to extrapolate that there is some, like, I, I think the AI is reading this as, okay, you guys have snapped. <laughs> And they're yeah. like, no, we're trying to get in the room to save ourselves. And he's like, no, I've told you this room's awful. It's the whole thing of like, you can't do this because I said so. Uh, protocol in compliance. And they're like, no, the reason we're not listening to protocol is because we're about to die. And he's like, no, protocol in compliance. You can't do this. And it's like that that AI, because again, remember, Firewall is a submine. So it's the the lack of maybe the nuanced computing there. Because yeah. it, the threat response is error codes is what he's throwing in the the header of downfall. So, but I don't think that the intent of firewall in downfall is what I'm saying. I don't think the intent was to kill them. I think the intent was, he was saying, no, your quota is exceeded. You are not allowed in here. Oh yeah. And I, I think, uh, just to, I guess, back to, uh, the intro episode, you know, with people not really knowing when this takes place in the timeline, I would say that, the K1 incident in is the sort of like the harbinger for, for the collapse. It's not the start of the collapse. It's not during the collapse, but it is the collapse is coming, and this is the first sign of it. And I think sort of my argument to that would be the very last lines where Firewall in Downfall is saying uh, psychosis, recent psychological trauma, existential collapse, and then one person stops, hears that, and is like, what does it mean by that? Which I assume is is Dr. Smith. Maybe I'm putting mm-hmm. too much emphasis on that, but... Uh, and then Firewall it with the end of all things. And I think that's, like, this is the prelude to, to the, the rest, collapse. To Kari White. Yeah. Like, from here on out, events that follow in the timeline are going to be the lead-up to the collapse as an event with maybe i guess crack and mar being being the literal like start like this is the mm-hmm. first of this the is the collapse. first wave of it and then yeah i could see yeah. that i definitely could see that but our, our savior <sighs> green green eyed music lover a savior about what oh i was just i looked over and that's the name that you've given yourself in chat so yeah. i was like well i mean that's my that's my title now <laughs> I may have gone for this title just because I wanted to be called Savior. You know, it's <laughs> I don't have a hero complex. It's fine. I have no illusions of grandeur. <laughs> she has not been exposed to an artifact. That you know of. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Kareen will save us all. <laughs> With my bow. Anyway. Uh, I don't... Without going into too much detail on any of the other cards, because there is... There's still a ton of stuff we could talk about, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I think we should wrap this up because we've already hit quite a time bank on this one. Yes. And that I think everyone we, will be okay with it, but yes. I think so, too. If you want to dive into the last couple of cards, I highly suggest it and really focus on 
going into the coding because you're going to get more of a story of what's going on with Firewall and what's actually happening through Firewall's perspective than you will through the participants on K1. Just FYI. And also check out the Collector's Edition journal. That too. It's really cool. It has... We should last page. page. Yeah. Oh, God. That last page. Scared. Yeah. There's there's a couple that are kind of creepy, but is that the one where the she will? Yeah, she will. X, Y, and Z. Oof. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That one. When you have nothing, you are capable of everything. Yeah. You got you got you got Ripley really fast. All right. Shout outs, Josh. What do you got for us? Um, so you know, like I said, thank you guys very much. It's been getting nice big psychology lesson for <laughs> from Blue in the middle of this episode. Um, You're welcome, slash sorry. But no, yeah, thank you for bringing me back. You know, hope and look forward to next time. Also, I, uh, this book was great. Kraken Mar was great. I expect from the Bungie writers, um, and maybe this is just me with some lore from D1 that I never had fulfilled, I want to see something like this uh, in this same time period you know, either between Revelations and Krakamar, just after Krakamar, I want to see this with Freehold. I want to see this, I want to see this with Ishtar. And I want to see this with, uh, is it Old Chicago? Yes. That was from way early in D1 concept. Like, I want to see it with places that we know or that we've heard and that we've seen, but we, but like, that is legit. You know, like in my head, that's lost lore. Freehold and the Desert of Giants or whatever, that's like, I want to know what happened there. So looking forward to that, hopefully with the next season as Destiny moves on. But yeah, that's my shout outs. Shout outs to, I mean, this is going to be kind of a tag onto that. Shout outs to the writers and planting the seeds for something like this. This book came out at the beginning of Shadowkeep. And we have been sitting on it this entire time. Not really, I mean, we knew what was going on. We knew it tied into what was going on with Ares and the sites that we were on the moon. But the fact that some of these things are getting tied to what's coming in the near future is kind of a fun thing. And it's one of the things that keep you coming back to Destiny lore over and over again. Because not only is it a mystery, you have just these tendrils that will make you want to dig into the next season because hey some of these things get answered just like josh was saying and if we get more aspects of like old chicago would be cool like getting into some of those those places that we haven't had a whole lot of information on or going back to venus like going into the libraries again just having all those things would be great blue shout outs from you uh big shout out to matt cernet again Uh, excellent job with this book, I, I this tie in with you know 
John's work and Seth's work for the rest of the other pieces and the whole team's work. Uh, amazing. I've been blown away by this these past couple uh, books that we've gotten to go through, uh, as you might have known, since this one's now pushing over two hours. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Um, it was a blast to get to do research for this piece. Um, and, you know, thank you guys for sticking with it. Uh, it's been really fun, and I can't wait to hear the the thought processes around this especially with the new web war that's coming out um just yeah just love it uh so as has become usual thank you for your time and until next time remember with wisdom we conquer stand strong stand tall and keep exploring With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright.